0: So Pastors Monty and Olga went over to, uh, to preach at a, at a church on the West Bank today, so uh, you have me today. For those of you that don't know me, I'm John. Thank you. Hi, TJ. <laughs> so uh, we, we started off our summer series with 2 Corinthians, and we're, we, we kind of kicked off our summer a little bit early, summer in May, because it gets hot here. Why not? Uh, so today I'm going to be talking about ministers in the New Covenant. So just to give you an idea as to where we're going to be going, uh, you know, it, in the Old Covenant, you had, you had the law, right? Everyone had to live by the law. This was, this was our Ten Commandments. This was part of our, our Deuteronomy and Numbers and all these other things that I can't pronounce or sometimes remember. But I will say this. In the New Covenant, Jesus took... Our sin, he overcame death, and he resurrected for us so we could live in connection with him. And I thank you, Jesus, for taking that because of you. I get to eat crawfish, I can have shrimp, and I can eat all the bacon I want. I mean, within limits. So, foundationally, we're going we're gonna to be talking today about the triumphal procession. All right, and so I'm going to dig more into this. So if you can, go ahead and and, uh, get up out of your seats, and we're going to stand for the reading of the word. So in 2 Corinthians 2.14, it says this. It says, but thank God he has made us his captives and continues to lead us along in Christ's triumphal procession. Now he uses us to spread the knowledge of Christ everywhere like a sweet perfume. You can go ahead and be seated. You see, in this, in this scripture, in this text, Paul is, is really talking about someone who's been called. Okay, he's talking about himself and Titus in this context. There are people around the world who receive salvation, yet they're not really embracing the call that comes with it. We're all called once we receive salvation. And it's then that we join the triumphal procession. You can imagine what this is like, right? Like that sweet aroma of spreading his word, of shining his light, and being a part of the triumphal procession. So just to give you a little bit of the background here, you can imagine what the Corinthian church was kind of like, right? So this is, this is a Greek culture being governed by Romans, yet Paul is coming here from Israel to share the message of Jesus, kind of a kind of a tough crowd right y'all can preach back with me it's okay this is one of those churches you can see you can let me feel you too okay so in the triumphal procession a roman general was given this victory they would go to war and they would go to the senate and senate would say we want this general to receive this parade right so they would take this general He would sit on this beautifully ornate chariot with beautiful horses pulling him. He was dressed in this this purple robe. And because he had this beautiful Roman hair, he would have a servant actually hold this crown of victory over his head. I'm making that up about his hair. I don't know. But he had somebody holding it up above his head. You can imagine what this looked like, right? This, This amazing procession. Of Jesus coming through this way. The triumphal, uh, excuse me, the triumphal procession was a binding of one another. Here, the scripture shows Jesus as the conquering hero. Okay, he's achieving victory in this sense over sin through his resurrection, and we've been made right with God through the victory of Jesus Christ. Something that sticks out to me here is the horses being bound to the chariot. So literally, it's, it's, it's the showing of submission. Showing submission to Jesus and lifting one another up. In this, there's equality and revitalization. In the revitalization, I, I mean this in the context of sharing in our service to God. We share this light burden and the easy yoke that's mentioned in Matthew eleven thirty. We are captives of our amazing God, our Lord, the General of Heaven's Armies, Jesus Christ. And there we go. In, in verse 15, it says this. Our lives are a Christ-like fragrance rising up to God. But this fragrance is perceived differently by those who are being saved and those who are perishing. You see, we're being entrusted with this weight and allowing the fragrance of knowledge of who he is into our hearts. The fragrance that we lift up is our worship. We worship him by devoting everything that we do and everything that he's given to us. Thank you, God, for this amazing gift of being here today, for hopefully not having to swim home too. We must realize that in this, we're not just saved and done, okay? We're in the process of being saved. We must share in this amazing gift, because it's never really ours to hold on to anyways. We're not just one and done. Everything that you've done in your life to get here today isn't where it ends. This is where it starts. Your journey in salvation begins now. This is where we take this take what God is doing in this amazing house and we spread this out. The, the revival of of our nations begins with people in this room. You must share the message of Jesus. But I have to ask you a question, and you don't have to raise your hands cuz this, this is kind of a tough one. Have you ever distrusted anyone? Thank you. There's 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 one. So I need to be real with y'all. When when Rachel and I dated, we started to date, Rachel kind of went through this internal vetting process, right? She had to make sure that I wasn't as crazy as she thought I was. I'm sorry. I I might have tricked you a little bit. You see, She was trying to find out more about me, trying to find out more about my story. And I was hesitant in sharing with her because of my past. I didn't want to do that. And I don't want to just generalize, but I'll say this. Guys, sometimes we're a a tough nut to crack. We tend to compartmentalize, and we tend to kind of hold back and not want to share. But this is the importance of community, community in a life, giving, godly sense. The correction and admonishing of someone who is being saved is sweet and loving, but to another, it's the stench of death. The smell of death is like walking into an unbeliever's life and them almost seeing you in an intrusive way. See, I felt that way. I didn't know what her angle was. I thought she was trying to gain leverage over me. That's where I had come from. I had to get over that. I had to let the Holy Spirit work in my heart to understand that she wasn't trying to hang something over my head. She was trying to love me. You see, people, people at this point, they're not recognizing the fragrance of the knowledge, the light, and the essence of who Jesus is. What I can think of in this, in this sense is the bondservants. You see, the bondservants gave themselves over because of love. The process of becoming a bondservant was a declaration of love to their masters. You see, this was an outward expression as they were forever marked by an awl in their ear in a door frame. They did this to show who they were based on the love of the family that they had become a part of. You can imagine that, that feeling, right? Like you love someone so much, you press your earlobe up against a door for someone to punch an all through it so that you could show that outward expression of your love for them. In context, I can only think of this as, as baptism, that washing away, that replenishing. We're a part of Jesus' family and we're bond servants of Christ. The ownership of, of us is Jesus' to have and we should surrender our understanding and of everything that we want to him. In fact with every eye closed and head bowed I want to pray a prayer over you. Jesus I thank you for being the Lord of my life. Use me however you see fit. Use me like the bondservants. Use me like you did in the year of Jubilee. I pray that everyone in this house can rise up against, against the world, against our own culture, to serve you, to share you, to bring people close to you, to bring the lost near you, and to bring you into their hearts. And your amazing name I pray, and the church said, amen. Amen. All right, verse 17 says this. You see, we are not like the hucksters who preach for personal profit. We preach the word of God with sincerity and with Christ's authority, knowing that God is watching us. Chapter 2, I got it. You see, the hucksters, back in those days, I mean, they, in, in, for lack of better terms, it's a snake oil salesman. It's somebody who is sharing, sharing information without any accountability. They didn't have to own it. They're just using it for their own profit, their own gain. You see, watering down the message of God and not sharing who he is with pure motives, that's what this is. This is like going through a, a step-by-step process in order to feel like your own Christianity is embraced. That's not even accurate. It's not true. It's not even biblical. This is something that isn't even relational with Jesus. It's a process that's made by people. It's a way for us to try to twist the gospel and using it to fit our own needs, and sometimes for our own benefit. Think about boasting in social media. The things that you've done are the things that you do. Resting on your laurels, sitting back on your accomplishments, and not striving for the next step of growth in Jesus. Think of entertainment faith. Faith. Has anyone ever heard this term before? I got nothing, so I'm going to give it to you. Are you encouraged by the word or are you entertained by it? Are you even living it, up to it? Is it in your heart? Are you letting it read you? You see, I've shared sermons with people that I've heard great men and women of God share, amazing messages. I loved what I heard, and I, I honestly shared it because it entertained me. It wasn't something that I was being challenged by. It wasn't something that I was living through, necessarily. And at that point, I believe that I tainted the word of those amazing people. These people, at that point in time, I relegated to being my proverbial Oprah. But, hey, I like Oprah. She gives away cars. It's great, right? You get one, and you get one, you get one, too. If you want one. I don't, I don't even know if you want one. No? You're good? Okay, sweet. You see, we have to repent of that. We have to check our motives, not only behind what we receive, but what we share. This is tough. We have to get the word of God in us. We have to spread his word. If you only get the word of God in you during church on a Sunday, you're not getting the relationship that you need out of him. You so see, you need to rest in his word and allow it to read you no matter how many times you've read it, no matter how many times you've gone over a verse, allow yourself to rest in that word and read your heart. I promise it will impact you. You have to hear the word from someone that you know, someone who knows you. Allow them to pastor you. You see, pastors are put in our lives for a purpose. They're given authority directly from Christ in your life to help you. This isn't something that should be taken lightly whether it be offered or given. But the pastors that you have, you must submit yourselves to what to what spiritual authority they have in your life. You need to know the power of the Holy Spirit. You need to know that the power of the Holy Spirit can't be contained by a church. It's not contained in these walls. It's not in this room. It's in your heart. So I told this, this story this morning, but yesterday I was making uh, Rachel listen to me. I don't know how else to put it. So I was going over by, uh, my sermon, and, you know, John Michael's kind of running around the house doing his thing, and he's just kind of wild, right? He, he's, now he's figured out how to walk, and the running isn't very far behind it. So, I'm going over this particular part of my, my sermon, and I say, You can't be contained by a room. Well, my son took it in a very literal sense and bolted right out the door. <laughs> He's going to drive me crazy. <laughs> crazy er, crazy er, thank you. That boy. All right, so let me give you some next steps. And then uh, I'm just going to bring this to a close here shortly. In chapter 3, verse 2, is, the verse says this. It says, the only letter of recommendation you need is yourselves. Your lives are a letter written on our hearts. Everyone can read it and recognize our good work among you. Our lives should directly reflect the living word. We shine out. Not religion, but the light and the truth of who Jesus Christ is. Verse 3 says, clearly, you're a letter from Christ showing the result of our ministry among you. This letter is not written with pen and ink, but with the spirit of the living God. It is carved not on tablets of stone, but on human hearts. This isn't as simple as the ink that the Romans made. They, uh, they, they made their ink either out of soot or out of crushed charcoal mixed with gum. Not, not, not like the, the good gum that we have now, but like tree sap. Uh, and they wrote this on papyra, papyrus. Papaya? I'm getting there. I'll, I'll bring it back. Uh, but they etched this on tablets. But with the Holy Spirit... It's actually written in our hearts. You see, Jesus is the way. We no longer have to make sacrifices because of the sacrifices that he has made for us. Thank you, God, for being tempted by sin, for enduring the suffering, for even embracing death and resurrecting in order to bring me closer to you. Verse 6 says this. He's enabled us to be ministers of his new covenant. This is a covenant not written of laws, but of the Spirit. The old covenant ends in death, but under the new covenant, the Spirit brings life. This is why we need the breath of God. We need the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We need to become overwhelmed by his spirit like a rushing wind. We need to be overcome by his spirit the way that the rains were washing down on most of you when you came in the door. We must ask God to be active in all that we do and be empowered by his Holy Spirit. You see, Jesus isn't a philosophy, he's not a technique, he's not a self-help book, he's the living God, he's our king of kings, he is our triumphant general leading his triumphal procession in the victory over sin and death. I am his, and in salvation, I have enslaved myself to you, God, in your triumphal procession. Thank you, Jesus, for overcoming sin and death in order to bring me closer to you in relationship. Y'all, I just want you to give a round of applause for what Jesus is doing in your lives and what everything that he's doing for us.